0: Tingle, tingle, when we mingle, just for fun. Let's pretend we'll never end what we've begun. For if we play at love, we may stay in love. Then you'll be glad you tried it just for fun.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 1678 of Effectively Wild, a Fangraphs baseball podcast brought to you by our Patreon supporters. I'm Meg Rowley of Fangraphs, and I am joined as always by Ben Lindberg of The Ringer. Ben, how are you? Doing well. And I am also joined by RJ McDaniel of Fangraphs. RJ, how are you?
2: Also doing well.
1: Yay. We are going to do Team Fun Draft today because this is a good annual tradition. Ben, did we do Team Fun Draft last year, or did we? No,
0: we didn't, because nothing was fun last year. Yeah, we (laughs) we decided that
1: fun was kind of untoward, given the circumstances. Well, I'm glad to have an opportunity to resurrect Team Fun Draft, but before we get to Team Fun Draft, we have some chicanery we have to talk about. Today, just not too long before we started recording, the Mets game against the Marlins ended in controversial fashion. Ben, did you watch this live?
0: Not live, but I was very quickly alerted to it, as everyone else on the internet was. Quite controversial.
1: Quite controversial. So to set the stage, Michael Conforto uh, won on a walk-off hit-by-pitch that might not have been a hit-by-pitch at all. I don't know how else to set this up other than that. (laughs) Ben, normally you did the setup. Maybe I should practice this more.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I think you you pretty much nailed it there. There was a a walk-off hit-by-pitch. There was contact. He was hit by the pitch, but he was also hit by the pitch having made little to no effort to get out of the way. In fact, maybe negative effort to get out of the way in that he tried not to get out of the way. The pitch also appeared to be in the strike zone, so it was far from unavoidable. And so everyone was angry about this naturally but it was not reviewable because of arcane rules that you have looked up because you are our go-to rulebook expert.
1: So there there are two relevant considerations here, the first of which is the actual rule around hit-by-pitches in the MLB rulebook, which is 503b2, uh, which establishes that a batter becomes – this is in the larger rule on when a uh, a batter becomes a runner, and he becomes a runner if he is – And I quote, he is touched by a pitch ball, which he is not attempting to hit unless A, the ball is in the strike zone when it touches the batter or B, the batter makes no attempt to avoid being touched by the ball. If the ball is in the strike zone when it touches the batter, it shall be called a strike. Whether or not the batter tries to avoid the ball. If the ball is outside the strike zone, when it touches the batter, it shall be called a ball if he makes no attempt to avoid being touched. So there's that and you think to yourself, well, that seems like this should have uh, resulted in a ball and uh, and then you know we should have or a strike in this case because it appeared to also be in the zone in addition to him not getting out of the way and the Marlins should have called for a replay and then they should have played on but but then we get the rules on replay review which says that hit by pitch is a reviewable play as we know Calls involving whether a pitched ball may have hit a player, a piece of his clothing, or his bat is reviewable. Whether the ball was in the strike zone when it touched the batter and whether the batter made any attempt to avoid being touched by the ball is not to be reviewable. And so I guess the question that I have for both of you is if the strike zone and or the attempt to avoid the ball as it is coming in is instrumental to whether or not the batter is entitled to a free base. Shouldn't that be also reviewable? Because it's it's part of whether or not it constitutes a hit by pitch that entitles him to first base or not. Am I thinking about this the wrong way?
2: I mean, one would think it would be reviewable, like based on your logic, but I guess uh, trying to see it, I guess, from the rules perspective... I guess it's leaving anything to do with the strike zone kind of in the purview of the home plate umpire. And so it's like the home plate umpire's ultimate power over that play. But this seems like a blind spot because, like, the home plate umpire could easily just not see someone leaning into the pitch.
1: Right. (laughs) Well, and it's very strange because if you go back and watch this hit by pitch it appears that the home plate umpire is preparing to call it strike three which you know would have been the the second out of the inning and you know then they would have had to get some of these guys in you know with an actual base hit or a walk i suppose or its own hit by pitch in the in the next batter's case but he he stops and thinks better of it and then decides that conforto's been hit and so clearly he was not confident in his call either
0: (laughs) (laughs) right Yeah, and I just saw, I think since we started recording, the umpire, Ron Culpa, made a comment to a pool reporter and he admitted that he did not call it correctly. He said, the guy was hit by the pitch in the strike zone. I should have called him out. So he is already regretting that call. And and Don Mattingly, the Marlins manager, said he asked the umpires to get together and change the judgment call and they didn't. So that was another missed opportunity there. And The Mets broadcast booth, which of course is deservedly acclaimed, was uh, really giving it to all involved to their credit. They were not being homers about this, I think, Mm -hmm. both the umpires and Conforto for not making an effort to get out of the way. Conforto, by the way, said, from my point of view, it was a slider. It felt like it was coming back to me. I turned. There may have been a little lift to my elbow just out of habit, out of reaction, and it barely skimmed the edge of my elbow guard. Don't know if you find that plausible or not, but he did not come out and say, yep, I leaned into that sucker. He uh, he said he was just so fooled that it was just inadvertent. It was just habit. He was protecting himself, which I don't know. I'd probably be making all sorts of uh, defensive movements if I were up there, but Michael Conforto probably not quite as afraid of the ball as I would be in that situation. So... I think this is one of those cases where people will probably be mad at Conforto for doing that, for either trying to (laughs) induce the hit-by-pitch or for not getting out of the way. But that's just something that players have always done, that they're just always going to do if they can. And I think it falls to MLB to prevent them from doing that by putting some mechanism in place to stop them from doing that and getting that advantage. So I think maybe there should be a tweak to this rule, perhaps. Maybe it can be the Conforto rule. It can oh. be like the the Buster Posey slide or the Chase Utley slide or whatever. We always need one of these edge cases, these worst case scenarios to happen to bring these things to the fore and then provide the collective will to actually do something about it. So maybe this will change everything.
1: I liked Emma Bachelary's suggestion on Twitter. Uh, she said, I'm loath to introduce more replay review to the game, but it seems like it might be good to have a provision that any potentially game-winning or tying play in the ninth or Extras can be reviewed. And it seems like that's, that would be a good sort of safety valve to have at your disposal, because I think that... We're right to worry that if we open too many things up to replay review, that we'll just gum up the works in a way that makes baseball impossible to watch because managers will abuse it. But it seems like in moments where we are rightly concerned that that there isn't time in the contest to sort of course correct, right? Like if if a if a hitter endures a bad strike three call, well, that's a bummer, and you want you want umpires to get stuff right. But if it's not the last at bat of the game, in theory, they might have, if not that individual hitter than than the team will have some ability to counter in a meaningful way later even if the the leverage isn't quite as high but in this moment when like it's it couldn't be higher than it is it seems like we need the ability to be like it's really important that we get the result of the game right and this directly impacts that and so maybe we need to uh, allow ourselves to go under the hood in a place where we wouldn't earlier in the contest i don't know
0: Yeah, it seems to me that with the technology that's available now, you probably could pretty conclusively determine whether (laughs) the pitch was actually in the strike zone when it hit him. Like (laughs) we have pitch tracking, obviously, we know the position of the ball and now the Hawkeye powered stat cast has body tracking and even like limb tracking. So I don't know if it's perfect, but I bet they could probably determine when exactly the ball touched him and where it was and where he was. So if you wanted to have some sort of appeal to the eye in the sky here, I bet that could be done. So yeah, I don't know if it's, you know, as RJ was saying, maybe there's like a a precedent that you don't want to set here or something. Are we edging ever closer to robo-umps if we say that (laughs) there should be technology that is determining this? I don't know. But if it's just about like not reviewing judgment calls or something, I don't know. Like you, you can have... Better judgment if you're watching the thing after the fact in slow motion from any angle you want. So I guess I'm coming at it from a, a pretty pro replay perspective, honestly. Yeah. I, I, like replay <laughs> for the most part. I, I like being able to tell whether the call was right and then change it and if it, you know, if it wasn't. And yes, there are some weird cases where you do get bogged down and everything. And of course in, you know, football it can be a, a nightmare and everything. But for the most part, I think it is good to be able to review these things and get them more accurate, even if it does end up taking a little more time just because we have the footage, like we're all going to watch it and see if it was right or wrong and then be angry about it if it was wrong. So we might as well change it too and get it right if we have the ability to do that.
2: Yeah, it definitely seems bizarre that the replay review is, you know, readily and willingly able to be used for the the often maligned like, did the batter pop off the bag for a millisecond when stealing second? But not in the case of this when it actually is determining the outcome of a game.
1: <laughs> right. And it seems strange to say we 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 care about judgment because we're building it into the rule structure of the game, right? We're leaving things to the Empire's judgment but that that we view that judgment to be infallible when we have the means to review and determine, at least in some circumstances, just how fallible it is. I understand that you probably don't want to to sit there and say, well, did he really mean to lean in? Even though here like he kinda seemed like he meant to lean in. But here <laughs> you could have just called him out on the strike zone thing. You didn't even have to talk about what was in his heart. You could have just said, like, that was a strike, so tough luck, but you know.
0: Yeah. Well, at least the Mets caught a break, right? <laughs> so maybe they can lean into a few when Jacob deGrom is pitching and get him some run support Seriously. one of these years. <laughs> So, before we get to the team fun draft, RJ, I wanted to ask you about the Tigers star of the first week, Akil Badu, who came up on our Tigers season preview podcast briefly just because he was having a, a good spring training and, you know, rule five pick and seemed like an interesting story. But didn't necessarily think it was going to continue to be a big story as the season started, but you just wrote about how big a story it's been. So tell us a little bit about Badu and his heroics thus far.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it was really, he was not really somebody that was particularly on my radar. I don't find myself thinking about the tigers all that often. (laughs) Um, But he, it's, it's always incredible when a player homers on the very first pitch he ever sees as a major leaguer. Like I, that's when he first really crossed my mind was when I saw that footage. Cause that's like very rare in the history of baseball. Out of all the uh, nearly 20,000 now players who have made their debut in the major leagues, only 31 have done the exact same thing that Badu did. And it was really cool too, because his parents actually got to be in the stands watching him for that particular moment and then the very next day he hit a grand slam which is you know even more incredible one might think and then the next day he didn't even start they brought him into pinch hit and he hit the walk off hit and so it's just a really an incredible beginning to a person's career like so the, the kind of stuff that you don't even let yourself probably as a player think about happening has just happened for him and the more the more I read about him the more it seemed like he was a great person for this to have happened to even Eric Long and Hagen's write up about like his makeup that scouts loved like he just seems like somebody who from the very beginning was really had a, a sound belief in himself and a really stable mature outlook to pursuing professional baseball even though so he had years of steady improvement that was really sidetracked by having to have Tommy John in 2019 and then losing the entirety of last season, as so many others did. So it's just it's a nice thing to have go along with kind of our our return to more normal, like semi normal baseball is to have this person who kind of was one of the people who suffered in the minor leagues from the loss of last season from the pandemic, have this amazing start to his career that he got to share with his family because there were we were vaccinated enough as a society, we've decided to have some people in the stands watching baseball.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's one of the nice traditions of uh, sometimes spring training, but also the beginning of the season where like all of a sudden you're paying attention to someone who you never thought about before and maybe never heard of before. It's like, you know, your mean Mercedes is uh, everywhere these days and Akil Badu is everywhere these days. It's just, it's nice when you have a long season and people actually getting to play and who knows if they will sustain, obviously not this, but how productive they will be over the course of the season, but it's it's fun to get to know a bunch of new guys who are doing fun things and it's something that we didn't have quite as much of last season so and always love a good rule 5 pick who, who makes good as well
1: i liked the moment where they showed his parents in the stands and his mom at one point was was doing that thing that that families do with each other where it was like the enthusiastic whack of her of her husband being like see did you see him do it did you see him and it it just it's it comes loaded with all of these you know we don't know them but what you might imagine are all these other moments in their lives and their son's life and the way that they've experienced their son growing up and then becoming a professional player like you know finally being able to 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 say like yeah we we saw it that was real that happened on the field and yeah it was just really it was really very lovely cuz you're right like we we were denied so many of those moments last year especially for guys like this where it, it does Kind of hit you different because they aren't heralded in the way that top prospects are and so it was just really nice and especially so early in the year to be like yeah we we saw that too and it was great
0: yeah especially a team that probably needs a little bit of a boost in the watchability department i guess we'll see where the tigers go <laughs> in the <laughs> draft that we're about to do but he has propped them up in week one so so that's nice so if you can't have a, a cat on the field or some other kind of creature on the field, then uh, the next best thing is to have a rule fact pick who is playing well. And I mentioned that because you just wrote about the, the course field cat as well. And I think now you've kind of become like the, the go-to wildlife on the field is RJ gonna get on this? It's like, you know, when when someone poops or something and everyone <laughs> tweets it mixed. Your beat <laughs> like, is so much better than mine. <laughs> I, I mean, I got say. a
1: tip
2: this morning about a possum on the field, but oh. I think I might leave that, you know, to simmer a bit. We have to build the possum narrative first.
0: Yeah. Do you have a theory about where these creatures come from? Meg brought this up, I think, on a recent episode. Like, why are there so many ballpark cats? I mean, I I guess it makes sense if there are, like, bodega cats everywhere. Why would there not be ballpark cats? But where do they spend their time when they're not on the field during games? Are they someone's pet? Do they just wander in there? It happens so often. I can understand, like, a squirrel or something or birds or, you know, geese or, or whatever it is that are, like, migratory. But when it's a cat, I always wonder... Where is that cat when it's not on my TV during this baseball game?
2: <laughs> I mean, cats are pretty resourceful. I have to imagine they're just kind of following the trail of like rats to eat. <laughs> I, I, because I'd imagine hanging around kind of the in the bowels of any ballpark, there have to be a number of rats. So yeah. the cats are just kind of there. And they're all kinds of like weird nooks and crannies and like dark cursed looking places deep within ballparks and those are exactly the kind of places that like a feral cat would love to hide so at, i any ballpark i think could be housing unknown multitudes of cats and it's just kind of a, a glitch in the cat secrecy matrix when we get to see one
0: Well it's good content for you and for Fangraphs I guess there are no real Metrics you can bring to it unless Like they turn on StatCast to Track the cats or something which I would like To see there was like a a mock video They did like a mock StatCast Broadcast with uh, graphics and Everything but (laughs) I wanted to see the actual Data instead of catch probability they Had cat probability which obviously Was 100% but no sprint Speed no distance traveled I don't know If the cat registers on the system Maybe it's too small but but uh, I, would, I would like to see that. Streakers, too. I'd also like to see some streaker FX when that happens at times. But, of course, they would never give that to us because then it would just encourage more streakers. Yeah, we don't but. want to encourage that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, shall we get to this draft?
1: Yeah. Do we want to okay. lay out the rules of the draft? They're very simple. <laughs> are there
0: rules? <laughs> the
1: rules of the draft are that we're each going to, you know, we'll go in order and we'll pick teams that we we think are the most fun to watch. That's mm-hmm. the, those are the rules. That's yeah, the that's, that's about it. it. So <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, I think we only did this once, maybe. I, we did it in episode 1360 in April 2019, and then last year happened, and uh, we just didn't do it. And so, yeah, here it is. I, I guess now we can call it an annual tradition, because yeah. it will have been done multiple times. But we did not really determine in order here. Should we just uh, let our guest go first? Or I had think a, so, yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. RJ, you got the top pick then.
2: I got the top pick. Well, I have to talk for a moment about my extremely scientific system that I came up with <laughs> for ranking the teams, which I'm really proud of because oh, I am not I am not someone who tends to think systematically. I tend to just be a, a very vibes-based person. I'm kind of letting things happen, but I really I really dug deep for this one, for this really oh. serious draft we're doing. So, I had I had four factors that I was ranking teams on. I was ranking on, is there a particular player or players who I would like change the channel to watch who's on this Mm -hmm. team? Are they on like a good trajectory narrative wise in terms of winning championships? Are they on the up? Are they on the down? Like what's going on there? I ranked them on the likelihood that they will actually win most of their games and on them having rivals within their division who will make for interesting, you know, series narratives. And ultimately, the, the team that came out on top is the San Diego Padres. I just think that they have the number of X-Factor players. Like, I'm a huge Darvish fan, so he was a big boost. I think Snell coming out of the Rays is a big boost. They've got they they've got Cronenworth, they've got Kim, they've got Machado, and of course they've got... Fernando Tatis Jr. currently injured. Yeah, like hopefully, hope. <laughs> hopefully he'll be back soon. I try not to let possible injuries derail my ranking. But the the Padres seem incredibly likely to win a whole ton of games. They've got an interesting rivalry with the Dodgers, kind of brewing now. With these two powerhouses in the same division, like the 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 series they faced each other in the postseason last year was one of my favorite to watch. And I just think on the whole. This is a team that does not have a history of success in the postseason winning in terms of winning the World Series. And that puts them, to me, on a very interesting like narr- narrative trajectory in terms of building the fan base, like getting up this energy and having this be a core group that they're hoping to take to a championship. So overall, number one in my fun ranking, Sandy Diego Padres.
1: I didn't I did not do a system. <laughs>
0: I feel very unprepared for this draft. I know, suddenly. I I,
1: <laughs> I I but you know what? I always prepare really intensely for the minor league free agent draft and then like I get scooped one time and I'm suddenly drafting guys who aren't in baseball anymore. So um maybe <laughs> you maybe just this got is
0: Sam Clay, one of your guys. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. gonna
1: get my ass kicked in the minor league free <laughs> agent draft. That's a different draft. I think the Padres are a fantastic pick. They have the beautiful uniforms. They they also like that ballpark is so pretty and so when you're watching them it's like even when things aren't going well for them on the field you just have a an Aesthetically pleasing experience of Baseball because you're like yeah it's like beautiful Ballpark in San Diego very good pick
0: Yeah I like the system it's like Shades of Carson Sistoli's nerd Scores yeah here, bringing it back But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I feel good about the Fact that I have no system and did no preparation And yet my number one pick also Would have been the Padres yeah, mine so, too. <laughs> I think that's uh, yeah That's probably the consensus I think Going into the season if they don't Have Tatis maybe that changes Things but I think even without Tatis there just so many personalities and as you said, up and coming team, and so many, many reasons to root for them, so yeah, that's uh the best pick you could make there, I think, Meg, you want to go?
1: Oh boy, uh, I didn't do the system, so now I'm not prepared <laughs> for my second pick i I'm conflicted about this pick because there is one big drag for my personal enjoyment, but I think that I'm gonna go with the Dodgers. For my second pick, you know, like I don't know that we we don't need to belabor the bower of it all, so I won't. I will instead focus on the things that make this team very fun, which is, you know, when we did our, our our preview episode. For the Dodgers. I think that we we struggled. We both had a million questions and no questions at all because they are so obviously good and they are so stacked and they have been for such a long time. But I will focus on one thing, I guess, which is that I appreciate that with a uh, uh, an upstart uh, Padres team that is really good and really deep and has, you know, this great farm to draw from, you know, a, a team like the Dodgers could could rest on its laurels, right? They could say, we have all of this pitching depth. We have all of these terrific position players. And rather than do that, they said, we will blow through not one, not two, but the third competitive balance tax threshold to try to to reassert ourselves in the division. And while I wish that they maybe picked a different player to do that with initially, I I applaud the idea of of wanting to stay in it and to not be satisfied with how amazing you are but to to need to push forward and so I will I will pick the Dodgers I will pick Mookie Betts who is just you know I when uh, when the tipping pitches uh, guys did their gift draft I took Betts because he is he is so talented. He has a very expressive face. He is good for highlights. And the, the Dodgers are just lousy with those guys. So I'm picking I'm picking the reigning champs, which I feel is a little bit like playing with house money, but here we are.
0: Yeah. Good pick. Fun team.
1: Dustin May's hair. You got the he got <laughs> oh, yeah. the Dustin May hair. You got you yeah. got Tony Gonsolin, who might want to be a cat for all for as <laughs> much as he seems to like them. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, Dustin May now with some strikeouts even potentially at oh, least boy. in his first start, that was pretty impressive. Yeah, that
2: was fun. You got deep thoughts with Cody Bellinger? Right. Yeah, right. Right.
0: Yeah, one of my pet theories is that the Dodgers will become villains at some point this season because they will just be so dominant and because we will not be rooting for them as hard because they won last year, so we don't have to feel bad for Clayton Kershaw or, or anyone else anymore. They got that off their backs, and so now suddenly they will get to October and we'll all realize, oh, the Dodgers again? This is like the ninth year in a row. There's uh, there's no narrative here. They're not the underdogs any way that you could possibly present this. So I do wonder whether this is the year, especially if it's like Dodgers versus Padres, and Padres, the most fun team, and so you're going to root for them against the Dodgers. And so I do wonder whether this will be the year that everyone sort of tires of the Dodgers, you know, other than Dodgers fans, just like the neutral fans who I think they they really haven't worn out their welcome despite being there every single year. But perhaps now they will. But that and the fact that they are going to hopefully potentially make a run at some sort of record setting season, they certainly have the talent to do that. So that's another reason to watch as well. So for my first pick. I'm going to go way off the board here in the same way that I went way off the board when we did this the first time. And as I recall, I took some flack for that and uh, it was deserved, but I am going to do exactly the same thing for exactly the same reason. And that is I'm going to take the angels as my (laughs) most fun team. I realized that this is a little bit of an idiosyncratic pick and that uh, I probably could have waited a round or two. Although, I don't know, RJ, you you might have uh, sniped me here if I had not taken the angels because I know that you enjoy them for the same reason as well. But Look, for me, the most fun thing about this season is Shohei Otani. And one of the most fun things about every season is Mike Trout. And they have both of them. (laughs) And that's basically it. Not that they don't have some other fun and entertaining players too, but those two guys, you could put Shohei Otani and Mike Trout on the Orioles or any other team, and they would probably be my number one pick. It's like the rare case, you know, we say that baseball is like, well, people say it's not a team sport, it's an individual sport, but it's also one where one player doesn't make all the difference. The Angels are the best example of that in that they can't get to the playoffs, even though they have my Trout. But for a team fun draft or a watchability draft, when you are like me and all of your hopes are hanging on Shohei Otani, then they really kind of make or break it. I mean, they have, in my opinion, in a way the two best baseball players in the world by two different definitions. They have the best one who does a thing that no one else in the world does. So Shohei Otani can hit and pitch as well as almost anyone. and, And he is the only person who does those things at that level. So in that sense, he is the best baseball player in the world. And then if you look at more conventional players who only do one or the other, Mike Trout is the best of those as well. So... That's basically what it comes down to. And they're easy to root for as people, too. They seem like good guys to the extent that we can tell. I enjoyed Shohei Otani the other day standing on second base as a runner and waving at the ball that Mike Trout had just launched for a home run as it left. And also, it might not be a terrible team this year, (laughs) unlike the last time when I took them and they won 72 games. Like uh, they're, you know, legitimate playoff hopes, if uh, far from a lock this year. So that's my case. How bad is my rationale?
2: I mean, I will say that that although the angels were not in in the end near the top of my list, where do I have them i have I have them at number ten, so you know they're in the the upper third, but when I was starting to make the list, they were the first team I wrote down, not just because they start with the letter a but because the first player I could think of when I thought fun baseball was Otani and like over the past week the team the team that I've been like going out of my way to watch probably the most has been the Angels and they've had some like really bizarre kind of dramatic finishes over the last week too yeah (laughs) so it seems like they could actually build up to be a pretty fun team unless you know everything becomes a disaster which is always possible
0: (laughs) but
1: yeah I, I um I think this is a perfectly defensible pick okay I don't know that I would have gone quite this high, but I think that it's fine in exercises. It's about what's the most fun to you. Right. It's very personal. There's no, yeah. There aren't any bad picks. I mean, I guess there could be bad picks, but th- this is not one of those. I think that this is fine.
0: Yeah. David Fletcher's fun too. They have some fun supporting cast there, but really, it's the the two leads who are driving this for me. And I had to get this team. Like, yeah, I probably could have waited a couple rounds, <laughs> but if I didn't get the Angels in the team fun draft, then I would have lost it in my eyes.
1: Yeah, and and Anthony Rendon. We're, we always forget oh, yeah. Anthony Rendon. How's that happen? Yeah,
0: that's the thing. I don't if, like if you were ranking good players, he would be very close to the top. I don't know if he is as close to the top in fun. Like he's. He's, he's fun in some ways, but he's also someone like we forget to mention when talking about good players on the Angels, which like, you know, he's uh, very close to the top of that list. So he's just sort of understated and underrated. And so I don't know if he's that fun. He's he's like a good defender. He does everything well. He's just not particularly flashy.
1: Someone has to stand up for the introverts.
0: Yeah. Jose Iglesias, also fun. Very fun. Anyway, I'm just anyway, saying. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
2: Well, my next pick, I guess, might be the equivalent, uh, my equivalent of Ben's Angels <laughs> pick, because I am going to go with the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. Like, this might be full homerism, like, please feel free to flame me if if it does come off that way. But I just think that there's so much to possibly enjoy about this team. And for me, like, a big part of the fun thing and why I didn't actually pick the Dodgers first is... There has to be a level of uncertainty, I think, for for baseball to be really fun to me. It's it has to be like there there has to be a, a level of it could either go really, really well, or it's it's gonna go really badly. But if there's there's like a possibility with a huge difference between the ceiling and the floor, that that to me makes for fun baseball. And I think that's what could be going on with the Blue Jays now. They have all these These players who were such hyped prospects who are now at a point where they should be starting to reach toward their potential. Like, we are we are waiting and we are hoping for the, the Vlad Jr. breakout. We've got Beau Bichette. We've got Kevin Biggio. We've got Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in the outfield who could hopefully repeat some of the success that they found. And they made the addition of George Springer, which is just huge. Like, Astros cheating scandal aside, Springer's been a player that I've always really liked. And I think that he could add something like really fantastic to this lineup. They went out and got Marcus Simeon as well, who is another really fun player who has had like a really interesting development in his career and kind of a trajectory he's on. And the Jays, even though, you know, they don't have the huge playoff drought anymore, they still haven't won the World Series in quite a long time. Uh, During my lifetime, I would like to see them win the World Series. And they're in a division with the Yankees and the Rays and they've got some teams that they can really kind of have interesting battles with. They've got Hyunjin Ryu on the mound who is just like such a delightful pitcher to watch when he's on. I just really feel that they're And also there's just a, there's a wholesome vibe around the team because a lot of these players kind of came up in the minor leagues together. They were there for the entire time. They've gone through this kind of ringer of development and you, there's a sense of camaraderie that I think comes out in the, in the way that they interact with each other. And so I think like a team that's, that's young, that has tons of potential, like maybe it won't all fit together. They had just disastrous defense last year. Like it was painful to watch. But the the idea of seeing something kind of slowly fall into place, like all of the pieces kind of coming together is really compelling to me. And and also they're, they're like, you know, whatever Canada's team, quote unquote. Uh, they're the team I grew up watching the most. And... Yeah, that to me all builds together for like a very high fun rating.
1: I think that that is a like that's an objectively good list of reasons to like the Blue Jays, even if you hadn't grown up rooting for them. I think that that is defensible. Don't let anyone tell you that's a homer pick. That's a good pick.
0: Yeah, definitely a, a better, uh, I think, <laughs> for most people, pick than my pick. That's for sure. But <laughs> I think also would have been pretty high on my list. Like they yeah. have a bunch of players who, if you could just like give me the answer key to the season and say, hey, you can look up how anyone did this year. Like there are definitely a few players on that team that I would flip to early oh, yeah. on just because I want to know, you know, <laughs> how big will the Vlad breakout be, you know, and that sort of thing that uh, I'm looking forward to. And obviously all of the like sons of 90s players, et cetera, like maybe the pitching will not be as fun as uh, Blue Jays fans would hope this year. Uh, we shall see. But yes, I think they check a lot of boxes.
1: I'm very conflicted. Because part of the part of the thing with a draft is like trying to predict what you can sneak into later rounds, you know. You gotta think about what <laughs> what's gonna be there for you later and what you have to claim now.
0: Clearly just not a priority for me in my first pick, but yes.
1: Well, but see, being true to yourself is a good <laughs> thing to do in these exercises also. So I, I don't think that there's any major fault with your process. I'm going to After spending a moment looking up a different team, I'm going to take this team. I'm going to take Atlanta. I'm going to to take the Atlanta franchise because the lineup... Is so stacked. Anytime you get to watch Ronald Acuna Jr. is a good time. I appreciate very much that this Braves team that went through kind of a swoon in terms of how competitive they were a few years ago did not send Freddie Freeman away, right? He did not get dealt in return for prospects while they were going through, you know, the like little mini rebuild or setback or whatever the hell we're calling these things these days. But, you know, they retained him so that when they were ready to come out of that with good young pitching, and this really strong position player core that they had Freddie Freeman still on their roster, and they've been rewarded for that. I think that the pitching that they have is is pitching. I'm like really interested in watching both the the young guys who we've seen start to come into their own, um, and really assert themselves. And then guys like Morton, where you're wondering, you know, how long are you going to be able to be as good as you've been? And is a Drew Smiley reclamation project really going to work? You know, was his year last year indicative of something that, you know, is really going to stick and persist for them? They, you know, I can never make picks without indulging some amount of mariner sadness so the fact that like Alex Jackson is going to be like a credible big league backup catcher is Wonderful for him, but quietly devastating for me. So, um, you know, I got to hold the sadness tight on some level. And they have, you know, they have guys like Pache, who I can't wait to see over the course of a full season. I want to know if Austin Riley figures it out. So I think I'm taking Atlanta and I am talking myself into feeling better about taking them here than I felt when I started this little speech. So they're <laughs> they're already proving themselves to be a fun team for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, seems like a good pick to me. Yeah. All right. Well, I will take maybe the other team you were wrestling with. I don't know, but the White Sox.
1: No. Are... No. OK. Oh, now I'm going to get my <laughs> socks so. up.
0: Whatever your pick <laughs> is still on the board. So the White Sox, I just I've called them kind of like the AL Padres. And I think of them in sort of the same way on sort of a similar timeline coming along with all of these really exciting young players and I'm quite happy to to get them here because, you know, the absence of Aloy Jimenez hurts here, literally, and also in terms of fun. But there are still a lot of players I enjoy watching in this lineup, whether it's Tim Anderson and can he keep hitting for these high averages and being this babip unicorn and Andrew Vaughn, who is new on the scene and seems like he is going to hit really well and others like the holdovers, Joan Mankata, Jose Abreu, like I enjoy watching all of these guys. Nick Madrigal is one of my favorite players. So I am really excited to see how he does. Luis Robert is incredible. I mean, I'm just, I'm naming the whole lineup here. Basically. Yes. Mani Grandal Crandall is a, a pitch framing appreciator. Always a, a fun guy to watch. And yeah. then, you know, you've got Lucas Giolito, and you've got like the opposite of Lucas Giolito and Dallas Keuchel and Lance Lynn, like you've got, you know, the strikeout monster, and then you've got the more pitch to contact workhorse types and softer tossers. It's just sort of a, a nice fun mix of styles. And Of course, there is uh, potential for some sort of La Russa clubhouse blow up, but it doesn't seem like that's happening thus far. And I know he's had some questionable bullpen moves, I suppose. You know, people are reacquainting themselves with Tony La Russa's bullpen management. But thus far, it seems like this has been like any other baseball team when it comes to manager-player relations. And hopefully that continues to be the case. And you know, if if they actually did bond and play well for this guy who's been out of the game for a while, then that might be a fun story, too, if they all learn from each other and gel and it works out well. So... I like it. And I didn't even mention the bullpen, but there are a bunch of really fun guys in that bullpen too, whether it's Hendricks or Crochet or Michael Copac who's back now and looks great. So there's just a a lot to like here. There's even like, you know, Billy Hamilton on the bench. Like even the bench players are are pretty fun. So White Sox all the way for me.
1: Yeah. I like how Tony Larusa has the like the horse feedback face mask like that's the <laughs> model he went with which andy reed had during the nfl season where i was like you look like you look like you're a horse sir because you got a little mask that looks like it's a feed bag anyway yep. i think this coverage. is coverage
2: yeah. mm-hmm. are we back around to me we are oh my goodness i am going to take relevant to our previous conversation uh the new york mets <gasps>
0: mm-hmm. okay yeah that was my next pick i think
2: Oh really? Well, I, I the Mets have played four games so far, and I think on display within those four games, today in in the first game has just been a measure of chaos and shenanigans (laughs) and tomfoolery (laughs) that I absolutely am fully on board with. They had the best pitcher in the world in Jacob deGrom, and they had him, they had him absolutely dominate, and then they had everything just. Unravel in in a really comical way the, and that that to me is the kind of vibe I'm looking for in baseball i want to see I want to see people absolutely dominate it, and I want to see people who are capable of incredible feats of athleticism and I also just want to see like the foolishness and the chaos that does not really happen in any other sport in the same way that it happens in baseball and I think that the Mets. Now coming through with their their new ownership, they've got Francisco Lindor on board. They've got Taiwan Walker and Marcus Stroman are pitchers who I really always enjoy watching. They've just got a lot going on that I think could just be really, really interesting in that way. Like they've got that potential for dominance and they've also got the potential for just comical unraveling (laughs) and i think that they have like a very good chance of doing doing very well and they also have a very good chance i guess of of just doing really poorly and it having be be a catastrophe so i i think that for me that is enjoyable to watch and and we saw it on display today like they have a situation where they're in a position to win the game with the bases loaded and the way that they do so is with a bungled call and a guy sticking his elbow out to get hit by a pitch in the strike zone
1: yeah, I think that it's also, and I I want to try to express this in a kind way, and I worry that I'm not going to. But I've always felt a certain kinship with Mets fans, as like a version of the sad Mariners fan, right, where they are just wildly fatalistic, <laughs> and in some ways with with better reason because the they've had this until now like you know just disaster of an ownership situation, but also for less good reason because they were like recently uh, in the World Series. And I I kind of want to, as a person who enjoys people watching, I'm excited to watch Mets fans watching this season. Oh, absolutely. And I hope that they are given more good days than bad. To be clear, I am not wishing too much chicanery on them, but I do want to see how they react to both a good baseball team um, and then also the potential for a disappointing baseball team because I think that It could be amusing in its own way, kind of like when you go to Ikea and you get to watch other people trying to figure out like what mattress they need. So I, oh gosh, places in public with people. So I I think this is a good pick for that reason also. Yeah,
0: I agree. And a pretty prosaic reason is just that this lineup is really stacked. Like everyone in that lineup can hit. It's just, it's a lot of fun. And yet also most of them can't field, which I feel like has the potential to be fun also (laughs) in some ways, maybe not for Mets fans. But like you could definitely get some bloopers out of this team, and oh, yeah. then also just like people hitting bombs. So yeah, good stylistic mix of like you know you've got your your bat first guys who can't field, and you've got Francisco Lindor who can do everything, and you've got like Pete Alonso who can just launch balls, and you've got good on base guys, and maybe you have CinderGuard on the comeback trail and. Crasco, hopefully so yeah I think this is a a fun team and a team that's like trying to change the narrative about this franchise as a whole so yeah it should be fun to watch
1: okay I am up I am going to take the Minnesota Twins Mm. I am taking the Minnesota Twins (sighs) who poor Josh Donaldson apart from Josh Donaldson getting hurt, have themselves like a very fun and deep lineup. They have Nelson Cruz, who continues to just hit home runs. They have Jorge Polanco, who no longer has to play shortstop. They have Byron Buxton, who might finally be putting together the season that we all hoped for from him, the the dread I felt when he had to exit the game. The other day was was matched only by my relief that he had a, a non COVID illness, which, you know, speaking of uh, beats that you have, resulted in a lot of mentions because people just assume that that means that he had to poo his pants. So, um, and that's what they told me on Twitter. They're like, I bet that Byron Buxton had to poo his pants and so he had to leave the game. So, uh, so they have that. And I the, I think an underrated part of this team for me is, is the, the top bit of their rotation because. It was such a joy to watch Kenta Maeda just be able to be a starter last year after, you know, a couple of years of being... Of being good, but sort of used in long relief in LA to watch him be able to just be a starter every day and flourish in that role, and then you know I continue to love watching Barrios pitch, and I will always have a soft spot for Michael Pineda, and I hope that he has a, a full and sort of healthy year that is undisrupted by either injury or or suspension, and you know I don't have to tell RJ how easy it is to root for Matt Shoemaker, even if even if you don't really quite know what you're gonna get there, and Jay Happ is also on. On this team, which I will just forget for the rest of time, but there he is. So, uh, you know, and they have a they have a twin in the bullpen. So if if ever they are playing the Giants, I can um, be like, oh, maybe I get a couple hundred words out of the possibility of them swapping around. So, so yeah, I I hope that Donaldson comes back and comes back healthy sooner than later. But even in his absence, I think that this is a very fun team, and it's so nice to, you know, after years of like. Cleveland being at the top of the AL Central sort of by default to have a real race between Minnesota and Chicago, I think is just, you know, it just really changes the dynamic of that division and how inclined you are to tune into a Twins game. It's like this is a team that is competing and is trying to win now and um, wants to to finally get the, the monkey of not being able to win a postseason series Uh, Lately off their back. So I hope that they're able to accomplish those things this year because it would be great fun if they could.
0: Yeah. Well, you didn't list William Sastadio as a reason. I knew you were going to talk about it. (laughs) Other than that, I uh, totally uh, agree with you and would have taken this team here, too. And yeah, I mean, Luisa Rise is fun. Right. Nelson Cruz, obviously, is very fun, as he showed again this week. So, yeah, this is uh, a very fun team. So good pick. Uh, So... I guess I will take, I guess I'll take the Yankees. We're kind of in the place now where I'm feeling a little bit less enthusiastic about these teams. <laughs> I feel like we just went down a tier after the Twins, where now it's like in a, a different grouping of fun. We're a different degree of fun, but I'll take the Yankees because they have a lot of good players. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> why yeah. um, I'm not overthinking this. Uh, I think I like watching John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge hit baseballs harder than anyone else in the universe. And right now they are both healthy and doing that at the same time, which is great. And they have other guys who hit baseballs a long way, like Gary Sanchez, and I am sort of pulling for him because of how divisive he has been, I think unfairly at times. And then there are players like DJ LeMayhew, who are just good and fun to watch, and Clint Frazier, who's finally getting his chance, and... Brett Gardner, who's kind of a favorite of mine, not in a starting role, but I always enjoy seeing him. And also the rotation, like RJ, you mentioned how one element of fun is like the lack of certainty. And in this rotation, I think it has the potential to be one of the best in baseball and also has the potential for like everyone to get hurt and for it to be some sort of disaster. So I guess that is kind of fun too. And Garrett Cole is uh, pretty fun when he's on as he was this week. And I think, you know, I'm just I'm kind of curious to see if they can fight off the the Rays and the Blue Jays. And I expect that they will, but it's it's not a certain thing. And of course, this is also a team that I can see play in person quite easily, as are the Mets. I don't know if that should really be a, a criterion here, but uh, it it could be. If it is, then that works in their favor for me. So yeah, Yankees.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue that the Yankees have a lot of good players. <laughs> so, <laughs> something yeah. that's interesting to me about the Yankees is that even though they do have a lot of good players, like you, you speak their names out loud, and you're like, "Man, that guy's really fun," and so is that other guy. Mm-hmm. Just the weight of expectation of like being the Yankees, I think, kind of dings them. Yeah. The fun factor for me, especially now that we've we've gone a full decade without a Yankees World Series. Mm-hmm. And yet there's still this burden of like postseason expectation that I think kind of like trails behind them wherever they go. And and as long as they fail to achieve in that respect, it's just going to be like, oh, the Yankees, they haven't they haven't won the World Series in a decade. What's going on with these guys? They're <laughs> underperforming. So that that to me is it's a complicating element. I think, like, yeah. it can make it a little less fun or, I guess, from a different perspective, it could make it more fun if they end up being, like, incredibly powerful and then either either just barreling their way through the postseason or just, just falling face first.
1: Yeah. Gosh, it's really been that long since they've won a World Series, huh? Yep. I'm getting old. Uh, <laughs> well, RJ, what do you have next?
2: Oh my god, I was so taken away by my Yankees reverie that... I didn't realize it was me again. Uh, <laughs> I am going to take the Philadelphia Phillies. Okay. Yeah, we're in we're in that range of the draft. We really yeah. are. I think I just looking at the the Phillies lineup there's just so many players who I just really really enjoy watching here we've got obviously Bryce Harper is always a compelling watch uh, Andrew McCutcheon uh, they've re-signed Ray Mudo they've got Didi Gregorius who's just a delight like he's he's really one of my favorite players to watch and as far as a fun factor goes I think having Didi Gregorius on your team really bumps you up a notch uh, Gene Segura we've got Adam Hazley coming in yeah, just a lot, a lot to enjoy within that lineup. Maybe having the the rotation with, you know, Chase Anderson going on is a little less compelling to me. But the the narrative of their absolutely disastrous bullpen last year coming into this year, I think has the potential to be interesting to watch. So yeah, I I I like I like the Phillies here. Uh, and I think they'll have an interesting rivalry going on with the Mets uh, within the division now.
1: Yeah, I think that that's true. Yeah, that bullpen. God, it can't be as bad as it was last year. Although they've had their moments in the early going where you're like, oh, is this sufficiently fixed? Can (laughs) we say? Oh, no, I feel such pressure. I feel like I'm going to make a bad choice. really care about any of the NL Central teams. (laughs) This is supposed to be a day about fun, man. Oh, Okay, well then, I'm taking the Marlins. (laughs) (laughs) Stay with me. (laughs) (laughs) I think that Jazz Chisholm is just, he might be enough on his own. He just might be enough all on his own. The thing with the Marlins the last couple of years has been, they have taken these like Very high upside, super toolsy, kind of risky guys where they, you know, if they can put it all together, they're going to be really spectacular everyday players. They all have some obvious flaws. The athleticism is there. And there have been a couple that have fallen into that category. And I think that when you look at Jazz, like the combination of skills that he has is just in addition to being really compelling on its own is the thing that we're not, we don't always see like the guys as much anymore. And we don't see the guys who are like gonna stretch a, a double into a triple and, you know, he's got the hair. I don't think that blue Jazzberry is a good nickname and I think that maybe I should take myself to prison. But is it bad? It's pretty bad. <laughs> It's bad, right? I shouldn't tweet about it.
2: I have no comment. <laughs> on it's this pretty problem. bad. It's not
1: even it's not even really the blue raspberry color so it's bad but anyway I'm just I I am intrigued by him I'm curious to see like how his plate discipline continues to evolve in the majors I think that he is a compelling guy and I think that there are a lot of things on this team that are fun and interesting even if I don't expect them to be a postseason team like they were last year because we don't have the expanded format so I I'm curious to see kind of what they do and what Pieces of this club start to emerge as like real contributors to the next good Marlins team because I think that there are uh, guys here who are who are gonna be in that mix. We just aren't necessarily gonna see all of them right now. I think that Miguel Rojas is underratedly fun, so we should keep our eyes on that. Jesus Aguilar also underratedly fun. Um, some of this pitching is compelling. I want to know if Luis Brinson can. Ever really, you know, live up to the the prospect type he had when he was coming up? So I'm picking the Marlins. I don't know if this was a good pick or not. I'm not sure, but i I think that the Marlins, as like a franchise, are on the upswing, even if they have made their ballpark hilariously boring when it used to be super fun. I see. I'm already regretting this pick in some ways.
0: No. <laughs> oh. I'm glad we're in the region of the draft where you can't necessarily predict the next pick and that's such a nice way of describing eyebrow this pick. <laughs> raising selections. <laughs> um, no, it's not I mean, they're they're I don't think it's a great team, but there are no. fun players to watch on it and yeah up-and-coming players and like the seeds of the next great Marlins team and a good starting rotation that should be pretty fun to watch especially yeah. when Sixto's there yeah so.
1: exactly once Sixto comes back it will be even even more fun um we can remain enthralled by his secondary stuff and sort of confounded that his fastball doesn't play better than it does but yeah mm-hmm. like it's, it's a good good. yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good because now there'll be some variation. Like with those first few picks, there's a very clear consensus. It's not like... I wish we were more divided on which the fun teams were. Like, it, this is not like uh, food or music or something where it's just so subjective. You might say, oh, this is my, this is the best band, and someone else might hate that band. Like, no one else is going to say, no, the Padres are not fun. I think we all agree that the Padres are pretty fun. So I went off the board with the Angels. But other than that, I think that uh, most of our early picks are kind of like the consensus fun teams. So now we're in uncharted territory a little bit. So am I going? I'm going, right? Yeah, you're going. Well, Meg, you just uh, made an offhand comment about the NL Central not being fun, (laughs) but I'm going to take an NL Central team. I'm going to take the Brewers. I think the Brewers actually are pretty fun. I think, A, they have the potential to be a great defensive team. And I know I said that the Mets might be fun because they might be a terrible defensive team. but Either end of that spectrum can be fun, I think, and if you're a really slick fielding team and a team that you know picked up Colton Wong and Jackie Bradley Jr. and already had Lorenzo Cain and other guys who've got good gloves, I think that can be a lot of fun to watch. I am curious about Christian Jelic and whether he will return to... Close to best player in baseball status Whether he'll be bounce back from the Disappointing year last year they have a few players In that will he bounce back Will he be great again camp you know What will happen to Lorenzo Kane After his long layoff what is Keston Hura going to be as a First baseman and as a hitter but Also I think the top of the rotation and the Back of the bullpen are about as Good as anyone's and I do Enjoy watching Woodruff and Burns And I know a lot of people like Adrian Hauser and then you've got Hader and Devin Williams. So I think they're just enough standout players here. I know it's probably odd to take an NL Central team or this early in the draft because they are acknowledged as uh, the blandest, weakest division. But I think there's a lot to like on the Brewers. And I also applaud them for just being competitive. You know, they've made the playoffs a number of years in a row here. And They've done what they can to make moves to shore up their roster and I thought, as a lot of people did, I think that the Cardinals had sort of sealed the central when they acquired Nolan Arnato, but then the Brewers made some late moves and, in my mind, at least edged ahead here. So it could be a good race, like not in the sense that any of the teams is going to be great, but if the closeness of the race dictates its quality to an extent, then it could be close because there are a bunch of teams that are just like not that great, but also not much better than the other teams that are in the race.
2: Yeah, I enjoy the Brewers based on a lot, based a lot on their potential to like run a razor thin run differential into the postseason. Yeah. That, that is something that I, it's like really fun to me. Just winning these close games. And th- that's something that the Brewers have the power to do within the way they're constructed. So, yeah, I, I think this is a good pick.
1: Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, they have sharp uniforms. That always helps. Mm, yeah. Um, and uh yeah, I I'm I'm into that. I think the brewers are fun. It's right. a nice ballpark, even though I'll never remember what it's named anymore. So we're back around to me. Yeah. Well, hmm. Did my Marlins pick throw off your algorithm? <laughs> it didn't it didn't
2: <laughs> It it made me rethink some things. Really, that's very. Marlins
0: rank on your. That's very generous.
2: Oh man, where do the Marlins rank on my on my list? I blacked them out. I think they were at number (laughs) twenty. So yeah, it was. I think that was a worthwhile diversion.
1: I'm putting a lot of faith in Jazz's power and play discipline. Just (laughs) continuing to you know hum along and advance, and
2: yeah, that hair. I'm going to go with another NL Central pick that is definitely a little influenced by just recency bias, but I'm going to go with the Reds. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the Reds have got some very interesting stuff going on right now with the way they've moved around their infield to uh, to accommodate Jonathan India. They've got Nick Castellanos, uh, he of the deep drive into left Ben uh, <laughs> recently did such an amazing deep dive on. Yeah, I, th- I don't know. They've they've really done they've they're five and one. I didn't realize that. That's a yeah. uh, that's a little yeah. shocking to me.
0: They're off to a historic offensive start, which is <laughs> yeah. nice because like they're making up for their <laughs> offensive underperformance from last season yeah. all in one week, which is great.
2: Yeah, no, they've, they've got, they've got like significant power potential in their lineup. And they've got, uh they've got Sean Doolittle, who ranks highly on our, I think the collective, like baseball online fun players list. They've got Amir Garrett, who's also way up there. They've got, you know, classic fun guy starter Wade Miley, who, you know, we all <laughs> tune in to watch every time he pitches. Uh yeah, there's I I I think the Reds definitely have the potential to be a team I would consider watching going out of my way. We're in the we're in the middle of the draft list now, so it's not like I'm not these are the teams where I'm feeling really, you know, a a drawn to To divert my entire day to watch. But I think the, the Reds will be a satisfying team on the most part to tune into. That's my take, my hot, hot take.
1: I think that that's defensible. I hope that they keep, they don't have to keep hitting quite like this, but I hope that they keep hitting reasonably well for the reasons you outlined, Ben, which was, it was just such a rough, it was such a slog for them last year. And it had to have been, frustrating for them it was certainly frustrating for their fans and like the good version of johanio suarez is so fun and maybe Aquino will i don't know like but that, that might have just been a brief flash of light that we all got to enjoy for a minute but maybe it won't be maybe it'd be fine and jesse winker has that long neck so <laughs> <All> right, <laughs> it is a weirdly, it's a very long neck um amir garrett yeah i'm into it
2: my my perspective on aristides aquino has been permanently i think damaged by the mlb flashbacks i
1: know (laughs) i'm with you Uh, i'm like i think he's amazing and i never want to watch him play baseball ever again because of these (laughs) (laughs) okay now we're really doing a draft um it's my turn. I guess I'll stick in the central. I'm gonna take the Cardinals. This is extreme recency bias because while we are talking, I, I have um, the the Brewers and the Cardinals on sort of in my peripheral vision in the office. And Nolan Arenado, who his first home run, is a St. Louis Cardinal. And it is going to remain deeply strange that Nolan Arenado plays for the Cardinals but is being paid by the Rockies. So that's its own bit of fun. I think that Jack Flaherty is like firmly in the in the group of starters who I enjoy watching enough where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll spend an extra inning or two on this game as opposed to hopping around on MLB TV when I know that he's starting. So there's that part of it because he's just he's just a delight. So, uh, you know, you got that. You got you got these, you know, these like versatile little infielder guys who are moving around like Tommy Edmund. You got Paul Goldschmidt. I don't know that I think that Tyler O'Neill is a good baseball player, but he is certainly like a, a a big leaguer, and he's got those arms. So we we talk a lot about Yandy Diaz and his arms, but we should not forget Tyler O'Neill's arms because there they're, there's bulk there. You know, I, I'm curious to see like how Jordan Hicks does, and Genesis Cabrera is interesting, and they got some guys who are going to come back. From being injured who are fun too. Like, you know, Harrison Bader is a fun fielder to watch and, you know, Miklaus is hurt, but I think uh, you know, he if he can find his way back into the rotation at some point this year, like he he is a good time. So a lot of this has to do with Nolan Arenado, I won't lie. But mm. I'm I'm picking I'm picking the Cardinals. Austin Dean, I know that part of this is because there is a breakfast sausage that has Dean in the title, but doesn't Austin Dean just sound like the the uh, like a breakfast sausage magnate like, as a name.
2: <laughs> He's like a cartoon figure of a man who appears in the ads.
1: Yeah, exactly. With a with a hat and a mustache, probably <laughs> just offering
2: you a delicious plate of breakfast sausages. Yeah, only
1: sausages though, nothing else on the plate. He's like, it's all about meat, 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 meat. because that's what
2: America's all
1: about. Yeah,
2: meat, 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 meat,
1: meat. So the Cardinals. Okay. I like yeah. how
2: we're getting all of our NL Central teams just off Let's the board. Just get them out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Buried in the middle of the draft so that no one will remember. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Dylan Carlson is uh, pretty fun. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing him blossom. Yeah. All right, I'm doing it. I'm taking the asterisks. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to take the Astros. Long, I wonder yeah. how long it would take. I'm not going to like performatively wait till number 30 to be mad <laughs> at the Astros or anything. I'm taking the Astros because uh, I guess I'm I'm getting good value here, maybe. It's a distressed asset. Very That's Astros like a, a move. Very, yeah, very Jeff Luno-esque rationale for drafting the Astros here. But clearly the best baseball team in terms of wins and losses and talent, I think, that is left on our list here. And success and and skill and being good at baseball is clearly correlated with fun, not perfectly correlated as some of our choices have shown, but it is more fun to watch a better team than a worse team generally. And if you're an Astros hater then you get to watch people mock the Astros if you take the Astros, which uh, is, if you want to look at it that way, if you want to see people throw blow-up trash cans on the field or have creative uh, chants or whatever, then if you're watching the Astros game, you get to see that too. So there's a little bonus for you. And frankly, like there aren't that many Astros like who are that important who are even like left from the 2017 banging scheme. Team, at least. So there are a lot of Astros who are just like not really implicated in that. And we're just sort of reflexively rooting against them because they're Astros. And then, like, I don't care. Jose Altuve, still pretty fun player, I think. Whatever stain it is on his record now, and doesn't seem like he was even as uh, involved in the banging as as others were in as active a way. Although he was obviously there and knew about it. But you have guys like Jordan Alvarez, who's uh, pretty fun as a hitter, at least, and he wasn't there until 2019, or Kyle Tucker, who wasn't there until 2018, and then even like Miles Straw, I think, has the potential to be fun. Not sure if he'll be good, but could be fun. And obviously, you've got Granky, who, if we were doing a fun players draft, yeah. would be like a top 10 pick, probably. So, any team that has Granky, just for the quotability and also the pitchability, and just watching him as he gets by and more than gets by with uh, a little loss of velocity, but just great creativity and command and an array of pitch types and all of that. And, You know, I enjoy the the McCullers curve as much as anyone. So there's a a lot of talent here, and obviously it is tainted talent in some cases. But even if you hate watch them, I think they are still watchable. So there you go, Houston Astros.
2: And I think we kind of saw this play out a bit last year with the Astros postseason run. But for Mm -hmm. a certain type of person, I think the Astros now being more hated than they were even just for being a juggernaut that was winning like over a hundred games a season. Like for a certain kind of person, I think having this position as like an embattled team, mm-hmm. when everybody hates us uh, can actually be make cheering for them more fun and or like even being them more fun like it, it, it kind of is like we saw that with the way Carlos Correa was kind of talking to the media like in during the post season like they said we couldn't do it but look at us now <laughs> like for a certain type of person yeah I can see that actually being really fun especially since in terms of talent quality they are not at all embattled losers but right. in terms of I guess fan response and being heckled and having trash cans thrown around. Yeah, people people are mad at them. So if you're the kind of person who likes to, uh, to position yourself against an army of haters, then the Astros would be a great team to root for.
1: I was into the inflatable trash can. I didn't like the actual trash can because it had trash in it. And then I was like, so some poor club, you know, like ballpark person has to go clean that up. <laughs> so that part I was less into, but the inflatable one, I was like, that is... You're committed to the bit like that. That required planning.
2: Yeah, like where do you get an inflatable trash can? Right. I didn't. I didn't understand that really as a concept until I saw it.
1: Yeah, is it just like you go down to Party City and they're like, we got the giant dinosaur and we got the noodly arm guy that you put out in front of your car wash and then we have these inflatable trash cans that everybody uses. Yeah, for all of
2: your trash can themed parties.
0: <laughs> it's leftover stock from when they mass manufactured stuff that everyone at the ballpark was going to be using to <laughs> mock the Astros last year and then it just was all on layaway for a year because there were no fans on the ballpark. But now everyone is finally getting to use all of that.
2: Okay, RJ, you are up. Yes, and I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Rays.
1: The Rays! Mm
2: -hmm. The Rays, fun team for kind of the same reasons the Rays are always a fun team. The kind of players that they have going on, we can see if a Rosarena kind of approximates vaguely some of what was going on in the postseason last year brandon Lau's great we got joey wendell and william thomas we got meg's guy mike zanino hmm. and tyler glass now has looked thrilling to watch over the past week and just uh, an all-time favorite rich hill now on the tampa bay rays which just seems mm-hmm. like such a wonderful fit uh, in the current era we- can chris archer bounce back Let's find out. Watch the Tampa Bay Rays.
1: <laughs> I end up with the weirdest beats, man. Like I just really <laughs> end up with some weird beats. Really do. Um I yeah, plus like wander, wander looms.
2: Yes, Wander uh, wanders just out of our field of vision, yeah. but eventually into our yeah. field of vision. Right.
0: Yeah, you bought low on the Rays before Wander came up. Yeah, when I said that the Astros were clearly the best baseball team left, I kind of forgot about the Rays, <laughs> but uh, the Rays also a good baseball team. And yeah, they have the potential to do weird strategic tactical stuff, which is fun at first, at least, until maybe you realize that uh, ultimately it, it will make baseball worse. <laughs> but at least for a while it's fun to watch them try stuff. So, yeah, I think that's a that's a good pick.
1: Oh boy. Well, what am I going to do here? I guess I'm going to take the Nationals. Yeah. This is a this is a stars uh, uh pick. This is a stars-based pick because there are some scrubs on this team, but um I think that when you can look to Trey Turner and Juan Soto that you're you're doing you're doing pretty all right for yourself and then, you know, we have we have Scherzer and we have Strasburg and then hopefully when he is able to rejoin the rotation, we will have Patrick Corbin and whatever is left of John Lester. And they do this thing where they add these like kind of fungible fielding bats to their to their club and some of them end up being pretty okay so i don't think that this is like a really very good ball club and i think that given the the division they find themselves in that they're unlikely to be much of a presence in the postseason. but you know when you when you list off the guys who you're like i want to watch a start from that guy you know scherzer and strasburg and To some extent, Corbin are probably on that list. And so there's a lot to see there. And like Juan Soto will not do quite what he did last season necessarily. Like I don't think he has a 201 WRC plus over a full campaign in his future, but he's just so much fun to watch and is just like one of those bats that we're going to look back on and, and say like, we started being able to watch this guy when he was 19, like we've just, we're going to spend like a lot of Juan Soto's adult life with him in public in a way that's very weird, but super cool. And so there's that part. And I think that, you know, we saw a step forward from Turner last year and then he's, he's gotten off to a nice start. So I know that we haven't seen much of them yet because of, because of their COVID outbreak and so you know, there's there's even less to go on in some respects with Washington than there is with the other clubs on this list. But I think that the amount of of sheer wattage they have from their stars is enough to make up for some of the more underwhelming spots in their lineup and rotation, and then I guess also in the the bullpen. But uh, Br- Brad Hand, they have Brad Hand and Josh Bell, so you know they they got some they got some guys. They've Kyle Schwarber, they're still like, you poor man, you must continue to play in the outfield, but it's fine. He seems happy about it, so, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm I'm picking the Nationals. This is a really bad farm system, but that is not the draft that we're doing. This is just (laughs) like a really very bad farm system. I don't want to inspire people to write articles that are mostly mean at the site. And I know that people have talked about like if you took Vanderbilt and then you took the Nationals farm system, like which of these is better? (laughs) Um, And that just feels like a mean piece to, to spend a lot of time thinking about. But it is a thing I think about like when I watch Vandy. So... Mm -hmm. That wasn't a very nice thing to bring up on this podcast. Sorry, Nationals fans. (laughs) You won that World Series, and we were all rooting for you mostly, so that was exciting.
0: Yeah, you had me at Soto and Turner and Scherzer. I didn't even need the, and they have Brad Hand. And (laughs) Brad Hand. I I was sold already.
1: Who could forget Brad (laughs) Hand and his weird (laughs) unexercised option?
0: (laughs) All right. Well, I think I'll take the Cubs here. The Cubs are are one of the like trifective teams that just like feel less fun just because they've like either traded a face of the franchise or like traded a really good player, just like haven't really invested in the team lately, even though they were pretty good and seemed to be in a place where they should have gotten better. So they're just sort of blanketed by just being a downer lately. But I think looking at the actual players on the team. There's still some fun here left and some talent left, and it could be the last year when you get to see a lot of these guys together. So, you know, the Rizzo and Bryant and Baez core is still pretty fun, I think, and Jason Hayward I enjoy, and Ian Happ is pretty fun, and Jack Peterson just got a waffle iron from his teammates for some reason when he hit his first home run as a cub. And you also have this interesting experiment there, trying in the rotation with a bunch of like soft tossing command guys, and like Kyle Hendricks and Zach Davies, and can I even keep them straight in my head? And then the Craig Kimbrel experience, and what is that going to be like this year? So there's a, a fair amount here that I am interested in watching, and at this point in the draft. The bar is fairly low, so I'm going with the Cubs. I didn't even mention Wilson Contreras, who's a, a good and pretty entertaining player too.
2: Yeah. And now, is that is that our final NL Central team off the board?
0: Mm, there's still oh, one.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, there's still one. They, they were just way down on my spreadsheet. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I had to scroll down to catch them. In fairness, yeah.
1: I think they sometimes forget about themselves too.
2: <laughs> okay. For my next pick, I'm kind of torn between two teams that are in the same geographic area. But despite despite how poorly they have started and how little fun they have actually been to watch over the past week, I think I'm going to take the A's.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The A's I just... hmm. I think I have some kind of strange A's bias embedded in my brain for some reason because I really, I really was like, you know, the A's. I have a good feeling about them. That good feeling has not exactly panned out <laughs> so far, but there are there are fun players on the A's. You know, yeah. there, there's Matt Chapman, there's Matt Olson, there's uh, there's Ramon Laureano, Elvis Andrews is on the A's. Yeah, after all this time, uh, and Elvis Andrews will obviously. Occupy a place in my heart forever for the whole Blue Jays Rangers situation. Sure. And so that that kind of predisposes me to be interested in watching what's going on there. What have they got going on in the rotation? Minaya is 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 always a fun player to, for me to watch pitching. Let's see what well, else is going on well, here. Lazardo
1: is fun when when Lazardo's on. Like that that's a good that's a good time. Yeah, a good Lazardo time.
2: Yeah, I mean, in theory, I feel like... Where are we in the list now? We're we're almost hitting the 20s. And I feel like if the A's can kind of pull themselves out of the hole that they have created for themselves by playing to, like, the bottom of the barrel of their capability, I think they should be a solid team to watch, especially in a division that doesn't stand to be super competitive outside of the Astros. Like, if the Angels can do what we hope they could do with Trout and Otani and Rendon and everybody previously discussed like they could make a run for it but outside of that you kind of need in a division with such a clear front runner a team that's going to be like a kind of wild card that you know probably around the middle of the road but could kind of make things interesting for one of the teams that is closer to contention and I think the the A's are that team
1: I think that that is, and this is a very A's thing to say, but that is very good value for your pick. (laughs) (laughs) I think you got excellent value for your pick. Okay, what am I going to do here? This got a lot less fun potentially yesterday. I'm going to take the Diamondbacks? Is that your final answer? (laughs) I'm taking the Diamondbacks, the Arizona diamond So I hope Cattell Marte is okay <laughs> because that'll that'll move some stuff around in uh in this calculus. But I like watching Cattell play baseball quite a bit. He had Sort of a down year last year after a, an MVP caliber season. You know, he was in the running at least in 2019. And I think that his like real true talent probably sits between those things. But he was off to this fun start. And then he tweaked a hammy yesterday in a way where, you know, when a guy runs up the line and then he pulls up and you're like, oh, you just you just messed up your hammy good. That's what you just did. That's what he did. So hopefully he's okay. So they have him. They have, uh, hopefully at some point in the next little bit here, they will get Zach Gallen back, who was good good fun to watch. You know, Nick Ahmed is on the IL. Cole Calhoun is on the aisle. This is not a good baseball team, but there are some interesting components. And then you always have the, the potential to start seeing some of the exciting prospects that they have, because this is a very good farm system. I hope that we see Dalton Varshow at some point in the, the near future because the idea of a guy who can handle both catcher and center field is a thing that we should just talk about like every day. That should be all we ever talk about um, because that profile is funky and very neat. And, you know, Perdomo is up. So that's exciting. We're already starting to see some of these dudes because of the injuries, which bad reason, but good result, I guess. They have a human being named Pavin on their team. There's a guy <laughs> named Seth Beer. Fun fact. The year that Seth Beer was in the Fall League, so I guess this would have been 2019 when I saw him, you know, you go to the press box and they have they have lineups for the day and then they give you a pronunciation guide. And I liked that they gave you pronunciations for like many of the dudes, even guys who um, like native English speakers probably didn't struggle with, which I think is nice because it's like, you know, you should just like make it accessible for everybody. And they had Seth Beer on there and they said, beer, like the drink. And that was their <laughs> way of telling you what it's what it sounded like, which I think was probably just some someone having a good time uh, in a busy time of the year for them but i applaud their good time cuz you know some of my good times have beer involved also so so i'm taking the d-backs plus you know as like a a recent transplant like this is my most uh, this is my closest team to get to watch, which is exciting for me as a person who grew up watching American League Baseball as the closest team to have an an n l club that is gonna um have other uh teams cycle through that when I was living my fan life, I got to see less often in person, including the Dodgers and the Padres so at some point in the summer that that might be in my future, and as I have joked many times on this podcast. Chase Field is just the nicest Costco you've ever watched a baseball game in, so that will be a good fun time also. We're in a mm-hmm. really, really rough segment of of this part of the draft. This is a yeah. rough segment of the draft, but here we are. D-backs, here we come.
0: All right. Well, I will go a little faster here because uh, these teams are less fun to watch and probably also less fun to talk about and listen to us talk about. So less of a rationale here, but I'll go with the Red Sox, who... As I mentioned, there's still some like, hey, they would be even more fun with Mookie lingering here. But I think they have one of the best position player cores in the game and not as much surrounding that as you'd like, but still they've got Bogarts and they've got Devers and they've got Vasquez and they've got JD Martinez and Alex Verdugo. Like that's a good half or more than half of a lineup that compares to almost everyone's. And then you've got, you know, a couple of guys who can hit the ball a mile, but may also just not hit the ball at all in Frenchie Cordero and Bobby Dalbeck. So looking forward to seeing what those guys do. And the pitching is frankly a lot less fun, and why they were not drafted earlier. But I think with the players I've named, and if we are factoring in ballparks, which I, I guess we should, just uh, even if you're not going but watching them on TV, I do quite enjoy Fenway Park. So that's enough, I guess, at this stage. The bar is getting lower.
2: Yeah. On a similar, on a similar note, a team who has kind of traded away. franchise player recently and thus sunk their fun estimation a bit (laughs) i will take cleveland cleveland Mm -hmm. cleveland indeed and to even now i still when i think about cleveland's baseball team i think oh francisco lindor and then and then that spark of joy just just fades it just it, it just gets snuffed out like a light it's like oh they traded him but they still have jose ramirez Yes. So that's that's very much something and they very much do still have Shane Deeper pitching. So that is mm-hmm. also something. And so those are those are two somethings that add up to make something else. And that is why I have taken Cleveland.
1: (laughs) I think that that's that's a good rationale. Um, I am going to take. I'm going to take the Royals. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take the Royals because they're a weird team who thinks that they're competing, and I don't know that that's true. But I like that they think that they are, and that they're trying Mm -hmm. to uh, get better for that reason. And they have their some of their young pitching up and. They went and got Benintendi, and so yeah, the Royals, I don't think they're good, but I think they're interesting, and uh, that feels like great value at this point in the draft, so Royals.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Royals, I think, probably the most fun of the bad teams or or I would have said that I guess you took the, Mar- the Marlins before so maybe not <laughs> and maybe people would uh, quibble with calling them bad I, I know that they would <laughs> but uh, but I agree there are some fun players on that team and the team as a whole is like trying to be wholesome and likable and we'll see if that continues but uh, that's another reason I guess you can feel good about picking them here Two things I forgot to say in my earlier picks. A, I think when I took the Astros, I forgot to mention Dusty Baker as a factor in their favor. Dusty Baker's pretty fun. And when I took the Red Sox, I didn't mention that if you don't look too closely, you could convince yourself that Mike Trout is playing outfield for them. And it's actually just Hunter (laughs) Renfro. But for a moment, you might get that glimmer of fun. All right. I think for my next pick... Boy, we're down to the dregs here. All right. I think I'll take the Mariners. <laughs> I, I, is this premature? Maybe. Maybe premature. Oh, but, definitely. But yeah, well, <laughs> you gonna do. yeah, I mean, you're at least getting glimmers of the next great Mariners team. There were people who picked the Mariners as like an underdog dark horse team for 2021. Like, I don't think anyone really believed that, but like- <sighs> of the teams that had no chance like they they had the the best no chance of anyone where you could like kind of talk yourself into everything going right but you know at some point you're you're going to get the service time manipulation guys up there and that'll be fun it is not fun that James Paxton is not going to be pitching for the Mariners as we just <sighs> learned Maybe as we were recording this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> James Paxton having Tommy John surgery. So that is the opposite of fun. And that does bump them down the list here. But still, you are going to get Kelnick at some point. You are going to get Julio Rodriguez at some point, presumably. And you're going to get your Justice Sheffield and Kikuchi and Marco Gonzalez and some pitchers who are pretty fun. And then, you know, like... Can Kyle Lewis be good again, and can Evan White not be a disaster, and others? <laughs> so I'll also, just say others. Other let you imagine, yeah, who who those would be. But uh, that's that's enough for me. And and like it's a team that's coming together, and like this is more about I guess like watching the team on the field. But if you're like a Mariners fan, you have. Hope. I mean, I don't know if you're a Mariners fan, if you have any hope left, but just like relative to past years, because you do have the good farm system and like you you really sense that within the next few years, like they are really almost definitely going to break that drought. It really looks like so. i'm sorry to even say that mick but still it it certainly seems like that from afar as someone who has not suffered as a mariners fan so even if this team is not great like there is that sense that better things are right around the corner
1: i was in high school i i thought i was gonna be a lawyer (laughs) that's what i thought about my life the last time the mariners were in the (laughs) postseason i was like i'm probably gonna be a lawyer well, I'm not, I'm your
0: life ended up being fun, at least. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, relative like, to that, I'm glad yeah. that it went
1: better for me than it did for the <laughs> franchise, I suppose. But mm-hmm. I will take I'll take the Giants
2: here at the no! San Francisco Giants. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, did I did I steal your pick, Meg? You did. <laughs> but fair enough. <laughs> I am not sorry. <laughs> you shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Giants, you know, they're they they've got Farhan Zaidi at the at the helm uh they're they're building back up they've got donovan solano when i was uh in the the deep dark depths of the second base positional power rankings was probably my favorite blurb that i wrote just because what a what a what an interesting career uh what a time to become a silver slugger yeah. and he has taken not a single walk yet this season but He's hitting. <laughs> and we've got uh, Mikey Stremski. We've got the return of Buster Posey after not playing last year. And, you know, Johnny Cueto. That's a that's a fun picture to watch. Aaron mm-hmm. Sanchez, uh, former Blue Jay. Uh, will he be able to bounce back from his many blister problems? We'll see. That That's a mystery that we can unpack together watching the San Francisco Giants.
1: Uh, yeah, that would have been my that was where I was gonna go. Oh, so now we're in Meg Scramble territory, and that's when bad stuff happens in these. I guess I'm gonna take the Tigers. Mm-hmm. I'm taking the Tigers, 'cause they got they got some they got young pitching, they got they got Badu, mm-hmm. they play baseball. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: that's not so fair. So true. That uh, I Fun mean, sport. Mm-hmm. how how well you know it depends on the day, but they do uh, take. They do play baseball. I, you know, I want good things for like Robbie Grossman on his new deal. And I'm intrigued by, like, you know, what does, what does, uh, Willie Castro do? And, uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I'm taking the Tigers mostly on the strength of like the, the young pitching that we're likely, that we are seeing and are likely to see over the course of the year. And, um, to mostly see if, uh, Akil Badu can keep it going and, um, be, Uh, An interesting piece that kind of forces them to think about whether he might uh, not be part of their next good uh, uh, Tigers team. So the Mm -hmm. Tigers.
0: Yep. I would have taken the Tigers, too. But I will instead take the Orioles, I think. The Orioles, A, you've got Trey Mancini, and it's fun that he is there (laughs) on the team playing baseball at all. And then, you know, you've got some pretty decent position players on this team. He's one of them, of course, but you also have Ryan Mountcastle. And I am looking forward to seeing some of their young pitching come up at some point this season. Perhaps we will get a glimpse of the other Michael Bauman. And John Means is fun rooting for him. Matt Harvey is throwing 95 again somehow, seemingly. You've got like DJ Stewart who is uh, actually pretty good seemingly. And I don't know, (laughs) it doesn't take much at this stage to uh, pick a team, but I think that's enough. And I still hold out hope that maybe we will see Mickey Janus someday, which would bump them up if they had a knuckleballer. So yeah, Orioles, another team that seems like better things might be around the corner, certainly can't be worse things.
2: And okay, we're we're down to we're down to our final round. We made it. <laughs> uh I'm going to take the Texas Rangers. Kiner of a fun player. <laughs> uh, I think David Dahl's a fun player. They play in a new ballpark that was very full of people uh, a few days ago and is also full of shadows mysteriously. I'm always struck by the darkness of that ballpark. Like yeah. it first it first became clear In the the postseason last year, I thought there was something wrong with my TV, initially, but it's actually just very shadowy. And so it makes for kind of a a dramatic viewing experience. We've got Jordan Lyles, always high on the fun player rankings, (laughs) uh, pitching out of the rotation, and Kyle Gibson too and the that's the texas rangers for us <laughs>
1: the rangers uh okay well i'm taking the
0: <laughs> you couldn't quite bring yourself to do it <laughs> uh,
1: uh, god oh no uh <laughs> i'm going to take
0: there's no good choice here
1: no but i'm going to take you know what i'm changing my mind i'm going to take the pirates
0: Okay. Oh, and
1: I'm I'm basing this pick entirely on Cabrian Hayes,
0: <laughs> who is hurt, <laughs> who but- <laughs> is hurt now,
1: but who we hope gets better real, real soon, mm-hmm. because I think that while I think that the pirates have a plan and that's nice because for a long time they didn't. And Cabrian Hayes is a big part of that plan. And so while I think that one could argue that these are two teams, this and the the Rockies are two teams driven by like one really good player, Cabrian Hayes in the in the Pirates case and Trevor Story in the Rockies case, in terms of guys who play every day, because obviously the Rockies have Herman Marquez, but like he doesn't pitch every day. Cabrian Hayes is gonna be on the Pirates for a long, long time, whereas Trevor Story will not be on the Rockies for a long, long time. So I am picking Hayes and the Pirates in the hopes that his mere presence over hopefully the course of much of this season puts them in a better spot than the Rockies who could just trade Trevor Story at the deadline. And then what do you have? You have Ryan Tapia trying to rob home runs and failing and like Charlie Blackman's beard. So Mm -hmm. I'm taking the Pirates. I don't feel good about it, but that's what I'm doing.
0: Yeah. All right. Well. You have the Rockies. (laughs) uh, Congratulations. I guess I do. Yeah. I forgot to say it. I might get Adley Rutschman in my Orioles pick. Forgot to justify that. Austin Hayes, semi-fun. I'm just trying to avoid officially drafting the Rockies, but I can't avoid it. I have to do it. So yeah, the Rockies, I'm not going to try to sell you all on the Rockies being fun. We know they're not fun, but someone had to be the 30th team. It's fun to read about the Rockies front office dysfunction. So that's <laughs> maybe more fun than the team itself at this point.
1: Weird, weird organization.
0: Daniel Bard? Fun? Bard, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> okay.
1: Colorado, beautiful state. Yeah. Beautiful state, beautiful nice ballpark. ballpark. Yep. <laughs> Future side of the all-star game. Oh, we didn't wow. even talk about that.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. So that. That'll do it. That'll All do right. it. Well, the team fun draft. It was fun.
1: Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, that'll. I guess that's that. RJ, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yes.
0: Thank you, RJ. Follow RJ at rumhamlet.com. Read RJ at Fangraphs. Let RJ know if there are creatures on the field of any kind. (laughs) Thank you. And uh, we'll do this again next year. Alright, that will do it for today. Thanks as always for listening. As a number of people have pointed out, Mike Trout is alone at the top of the Fangraph's war leaderboard as I record this. Only by a tenth of a win, but still the milestone has happened just about a week into the season. The stats are meaningful. Maybe not all of the stats, but at least Trout is in his accustomed place. I should note that we recorded this episode prior to the news about suspicious baseballs thrown by Trevor Bauer being sent to MLB for inspection. This was reported by Ken Rosenthal, whom Bauer subsequently referred to as a gossip blogger, but according to major league sources, Ken wrote the balls had visible markings and were sticky. Anyway, not surprising that balls thrown by Trevor Bauer would have visible markings or be sticky and if this new league crackdown on using foreign substances was going to have any teeth, then Bauer would have to be a test case because his stat cast data has made it so obvious strongly suspicious that he appears to be using some sort of spin enhancing sticky substance. It's not really clear whether this was just reported because it was Bauer and many pitchers have had balls sent for testing or whether he was singled out but it would be somewhat surprising if there were not foreign substances on those baseballs the question really is will anything be done about it can you prove that whatever's on them was applied by Bauer can you make a suspension stick so to speak there is another report that the MLBPA is prepared to protest and appeal you almost wonder whether there might have to be some sort of team penalty assessed I don't know how that would work But that way you wouldn't have to prove that it Was the pitcher and then there would be a lot of pressure On the pitcher not to use something But it'll establish an interesting precedent And it will also be interesting to See if Bauer persists in His use of whatever he is likely using Or whether those spin rates Miraculously fall back to earth in his Upcoming starts so I'm not really sure If anything will come of this or if we'll even Hear anything more about this but I do Know that the early season strikeout rate Is over 25% Spin rates also seem to be up across the league maybe because of the new ball so some sort of crackdown is warranted there's just still some question about whether this will be an effective deterrent you can support effectively wild on patreon by going to patreon.com slash effectively wild the following five listeners have already signed up and pledged some small monthly amount to help keep the podcast going and get themselves access to some perks adam de Ted Walker, Mike Lemaire, Richard Anderson, and Ted Miles. Thanks to all of you. You can rate, review, and subscribe to Effectively Wild on iTunes and Spotify and other podcast platforms. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com group slash wild. Keep your questions and comments for me and Meg coming via email at podcast at Or via the Patreon messaging system if you are a supporter. Thanks to Dylan Higgins for his editing assistance. We will be back with another episode extremely soon. Check your feeds, it might be there already. So we will talk to you then.